Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. We are here. Sorry for yesterday. Uh, some logistical issues. Uh, we're back today and we have some things to discuss. Uh, we'll start with the pre show. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about Pat Patterson, who passed away. He was a, uh, a legendary guy with WWE, uh, always a heavy French-Canadian accent, always pretended he didn't understand English or it was hard to understand him when he was doing his rants, but he was really good, and he was always the heel. He always got the uh, the other guy he was wrestling over with the crowd. There's stories and stories and stories about how he used to be able to just rile up a crowd. Um, years later, uh, about four or five years ago, it was 2016, about in 2015, I was contacted. I had a chance to maybe write his uh, autobiography because he was going to come out as a gay wrestler in that autobiography. Now, of course, the WWE pushes it as, you know, the first gay superstar. Uh, it's really the first guy who's come out. They've had gay wrestlers before, trust me. Um, but it's an interesting story, and it did eventually come out in 16. And, you know, guys had a long career, decades. Sure. Like, we've all seen him. If you watched any point of wrestling he was either a manager or a wrestler for like 30 something years well I, I mean i didn't know about him coming out and that doesn't affect my opinion of him i always liked him as a yeah. as a wrestler and i'm pretty sure he was the first intercontinental champion yeah i believe he was yeah because i remember this was, when, this was when bob backland was the champ yeah and i'm pretty sure this is you know this is when i'm watching wwf on wr right. on new york wwf for there was that in the early to mid seventies, then it changed to WWF. Right, uh, and that was when Vince McMahon. Worldwide was, life sued him after that. Right, right, and Vince, Right, uh, Vince McMahon was the host with Bruno Sammartino as the uh, as the co-host. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is before Piper, before Hulk Hogan. Um, so yeah, and, and yeah, he, I believe he was the first intercontinental champion, but, uh, yeah, I always, no, like as, as mayor's right. Like you said, Patterson had been accused of inappropriate behavior behind the scenes. There was that talk, but we don't know if there was that talk because he was a gay wrestler and because many of the wrestlers didn't like that. So I have to temper that and say, we don't really know if that's true or not. And yeah. what the, you know, that nothing of that really made it to the surface to know enough, but and and Funky had pointed out that he wrote scripts and yeah he's been involved with the business forever. Yeah, I mean he was still I, I like every once in a while you would say. And now I haven't watched WWE for a few, at least a few years. Yeah, but I remember him popping out and being sort of behind the scenes and he'd be on camera every once in a while. Right. So you know I, he was still working for them. So yeah. I'm yeah I'm assuming that he was probably writing scripts. Yeah. So um, I just saw something. Uh, first of all, by the way, uh, the uh, the Ravens and the Steelers are playing at 340 this afternoon. I, know. I mean, you know, and, and did you hear about how they're bending their own rules? Two guys tested positive yesterday. And but apparently the league said, well, we knew about it. So it's, it's OK. okay. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And, and that could end up being a big problem. Yeah, but then they said, well, they, they didn't test positive, but 
you know, it's it's but they just they're so desperate just to get this game in. I I, I just saw this comment from um the uh, from Michael Cohen, which isn't this guy's real name because Michael Cohen is the former attorney for Trump. So this yeah, is yeah, yeah. somebody who's operating, you know, like uh, in, in, in secret. He says the panel is just Yanks hockey, not second nature there. Uh, okay. I live in Buffalo. Russ lives in New Jersey. We've been around. Yeah, right. right. We've been or, originally from Long, Long Island, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We've been around hockey our entire lives. Um, you know, the Sabres were originated in 1970. I was born in 67. So, you know, and my brother watched Hockey Night in Canada when I was, you know, a toddler. So I've been exposed to hockey just as much as any Canadian. Um, and it's my passion. It's like, I mean, obviously I'm doing it for, for my, my career. Um, I mean, so I've been watching it seriously since 70 years Right now, that was when this that was when the Rangers made the Cup final against the Bruins. Yeah, um, yep. and you know I remember the say the Sabers in the final against the Flyers in '75. It's a you know it's a I'm, I'm not saying like a fence to it. It's just like I just think it's a sort of closed minded point of view. It's like I think there are American hockey fans that are just as uh, you know vehement uh, in their love of hockey than you know Canadian fans. I, mean, I think it's equal. And I also think, like, you know, I'm sure there are some Canadian baseball fans who believe that they're equally passionate about baseball, just like American fans are passionate about baseball. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I yeah. just I, I think it's sort of closed-minded. But anyway. I'm going to back off before the echo. Oh, now it's gone. Now that that came on, it ended it. But what I was going to say is when we argued about 100 range of greats and, like, who was going to go where, it was three Americans arguing it. But it was three Americans that had spent a lot of time in Canada watching a lot of hockey, too. Right. Then Cameron says, I count Buffalo as a Canadian city. Yeah, I mean, we're right <laughs> on the border. So it's like, you know, gee, you know, we, we love pea meal bacon just as much as anybody and coffee crisps. <laughs> and snow. There oh. you go. Your, 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 your volume kicked uh, was off for there for a second, Russ. That's uh, all? Oh yeah, yeah, you said okay. something, and now 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 we can hear you. It sounded, it sounded okay to me. Hey, what's going on? Um, not much, not much, guys. How you guys doing? Um, Good. yeah, just uh, dealing with a lot of stuff here. So sorry, it took me a while to get in. Um, but yeah, um, do we actually start officially? No, no, we no. were this is pre-show, and uh, we're ready to go. So cool, cool, cool. All right, let's go. The hockey world. It is Wednesday, December second, two thousand and twenty. I'm Michael Agello, and Funky in the chat says, Anchor Bar loves the Yanks. Well, Anchor Bar also loves murder. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I am reading an updated story here, Mike, and it does say that there are still positive tests while while the Ravens are in the air. So they are literally going against their own rules. There you go. Yeah. And I'm Mecklen, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and the goings in the hockey world. And um, today we're going to get into a bunch of different things. But one of the things I wanted to start by talking about is um, is what I wrote about yesterday, which I'm sure you guys discussed yesterday at length. But well, um, we didn't have a show yesterday. Oh, right. <laughs> we, that did not happen at length. It was so a great show. Now that's, that's even better. <laughs> we saved it for us. Getting my notes together here as I go here. Uh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm live in the Muppet Theater today. Thanks very much for everyone who's paying attention. Um, Where's Waldorf? Uh, up there. Right there. Yeah. 
<laughs> so they are. Um, yeah. So the the players held a, a meeting. Um, they've, they've been holding a lot of meetings, as Pierre Lebrun has been saying. They've been holding their own meetings, and we kind of figured that out. You know, we didn't. I told we said before that this isn't like all silent right now. Nothing is silent. I mean, obviously, these guys know that times of the essence. But the big thing that came out yesterday and that, that I put out and um, haven't really been seeing if anyone else put it out because I haven't really been able to, with family stuff, being able to read everybody else's stuff. But the big thing that came out yesterday is the 48 game thing, which one um, NHL owner told me was 99% what was going to happen, 48 games, that we weren't going to see any more than that. Um, okay. Basically saying that there's no benefit for anybody to do more than that. Um, well, just so you know, the scorecard in the chat room has Russ and Mike, Owen – 04 for that and you got partial credit for the 48 game well, and it's like well, i'll tell you part of the reason why because right. we were optimistic that we could at least get 60 in yeah well, now there's the optimism's gone we have we have we have breaking breaking uh news wow. in terms of quote quotes here um mm -hmm. gary Bettman was speaking to sports business journal uh on some panel called deal makers in sport right. and this is a quote from chris johnston from sportsnet uh regarding the possibility of a January 1st start for the NHL season. He says that is a work in progress influenced largely by what we are hearing from medical experts. We're not having negotiations and we're not seeking to renegotiate. He says, uh, adds that the NHL is looking for ways to avoid stresses on our on system because players would be paid more than 50% under the current uh, memorandum of understanding deal. So right. I, I think all they're really trying to do here, and I know that I understand what the why the players are balking, but the, the players are balking because they thought they had a deal. But the what happened in July and what was thought was going to happen in July and what is happening now are two completely different things. And you know, I think the owners are basically saying, well, if it's a 50-50 split, we have to adjust this because we're going to lose more based on the agreement that we we made in July and. Yeah, the point is, the shorter the season, the more the, the more money they're gonna lose. The, no, the less the owners lose. That's 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 the less that's the good. owners lose. Yes, the less the owners yes. lose. The players, um, you know, the actual, you know, the the escrow negotiation, which is going to go on, which is going to have to be an issue, and it's going. It's it, it, they can say they're not having a negotiation, but they're going to have to just throw. They're going to have to throw a number at them that they're going to have to basically take. I think when they're talking about not being a negotiation, it's more like this is all we can do. Heck, I mean, we have to come to grips with two things. I really had a bad feeling that nothing was going to happen this week. And now that he's got that, <clears throat> Mike just read that quote, that pretty much kills anything for this week. There's no way the players are going to do anything but respond with a quote, and that's it. So they're not going to talk this week. If they don't talk this week, Christmas is two weeks away. So even if they went to camp, they would have to take a week off after going to camp. Yeah. There's no way this season starts January 1st. Well, no. that's, what, that's what Brian Burke said on, on uh, Hockey Central. He said – um, the players have dug in on a Christmas break. So yeah. if you're he says if you're if they're not giving up Christmas with their families, uh, border crossing quarantine can't be begin until Boxing Day, which is the 26th, which means camps wouldn't open until the middle of January, and that right. would be more about a February 1st yeah. start date. But, but Pair that with what Elliot Friedman said. I think the season would still start in mid to late January because he's he said on the on the on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast last week that 
he believes that training camps will be much, much, much shorter. Yeah, than- I think they might go with a week of camp and start middle of the month of January. Right. Well, once they come up with a, with something, they can they can come up they can uh, put a camp together pretty quickly. From what right. I was told. there's yeah. not going to be preseason games, Zach. No, and, even, and even even if they get one week of camp in before the Christmas break, that's not out of the question. I was told too. So that no, I mean, sure, they could do that. This can happen pretty fast. The players are back. The players are basically in place. You know, I mean, the only thing you're talking about, Mike, which is true, like the players who have to go to Canada and quarantine for a certain amount of time. Right. That's a different issue. But a lot of them, a lot of them are already there. That's the thing. It's like I mean, yeah. I know People that they're expecting this to start soon. Like players are expecting. Right. It to start. So exactly. They're already they're already in that mindset, which makes it hard for them to, which which makes it easy for the NHL to basically say we're going to put more escrow in because it's it's hard for the players who already moved everything and already put everything into place to like to, to go to die on that mountain right now because of what's going on in the world, you know, and but you know so so the escrow say the escrow they they make the escrow twenty percent something like that something right. like. Something like that. So the escrow is twenty percent, um, and in a way that they're getting paid back over time. Some we talked about that before. Deferred money. So it's deferred, a deferred escrow, slightly different than the regular escrow, whatever it is. So deferred way. I mean, that number twenty percent is the same whether or not the NHL plays sixty games, forty-eight games, whatever. Right? That's going to happen. So it doesn't matter how many games. So if, if you're in, if if that number is the same, like the owner was saying to me, the player's number is not. You know, it's like we talked about before. It's not a prorated thing. So we're talking. So we're talking about a specific number. Therefore, the owners want to play as few games as possible because it costs them money, like we talked about before, to open the building and to get everything together. So every time. Yeah, but they make less money in terms of their advertising contracts. In terms, of, I mean, there's not going to be gate, obviously. No gate as it is, and the money, the, the money that, the money basically they lose money no matter how you slice it. So and, yes, they make less money with the advertising, but they're but they lose less money too. Well, the the, the, the way it's better for them. The, the, well, I, I don't know if I, I'm not sure if I believe that. I, I, I'm obviously the, the whoever told you that. You know, that's that's their point of view. Uh, but Bur- Burke uh, mentioned the fact that because there's been threats out there of well, if we if they don't take this, and I don't I don't buy them that they're going to cancel the season. But if you the shorter the season is, you're talking about and, and Burke made this point. You, you know, yeah. you may be right that there are owners out there who believe that it's better. Yeah more financially viable for them to not play than to play. But he says the valuation of franchises will go down considerably more than what the, what the teams lose if they don't play a season. So you have to balance that out. Um, Yes, you do. But the, 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 the big, the big thing for them, you know, I think that they're more looking right now. Everyone's more in a survival mode than, than valuations than long-term, you know, right now this is a survival frame of mind. Right. there's, they're looking at like you know if we're gonna lose a million dollars a game, say, you know we'd rather have 24 home games than 33 home games or whatever 34 home games. Right. Um. You know that's 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 10 million dollars we didn't lose if we're gonna lose a million dollars a game. Yeah. Uh, that's, how, that's pretty much where they're at. So to them, you know, 48 games is a 24 means 24 games. You know that means 24 home games. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, that's where they're at, that they're at right now. Yeah, and some and some of the things. I'll be right back, guys. Give me one second, sorry. Yeah, yep. some of the things that that the league is going to have to navigate, Russ, and we've seen this in the NFL right now with uh, with San Francisco, Santa Clara County banning the the Forty ers from playing there, uh, and they have to play two weeks in Arizona. Um, I don't believe that the Rangers could play at play at MSG unless they get special permission from Cuomo. They were Cuomo was saying that. Um, for things like that, he'll he'll probably open it because he knows there's not going to be any fans there. Right. So there might be, you know, just some workers. So really, what's it 
at that point, opening MSG is not much different than opening a deli. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you're, mean, and you're seeing less people, really. So, you know. Now, I haven't heard anything about, like, the Knicks having a problem playing at MSG. Um, no. And they start December 22nd, you know. Right. So, um, but so, well, yeah. I don't know when their home games are. Like, I don't know what the Knicks – let me see what their 2020 schedule is. Right, but uh, you know, and that, but that would pertain that would pertain also to the Islanders on uh, uh, the Islanders on uh, at, in Nassau at, at the Coliseum and the Sabers at uh, Key Bank Center. So they would all have to get some sort of special dispensation from the the from New York State. But well, here, State surprise, surprise! I didn't realize they're going to have a preseason in the NBA, and that starts in two weeks, right? December eleventh. So so San Jose might be under the same restrictions in terms of uh, access to their building. Yeah. Now San Francisco, like Santa, like they weren't they weren't having they didn't have fans in the stands there. It's strictly they don't want any kind of contacts. In hockey, yeah, is now they've moved. They've moved to Arizona. Like they're right. Not, but I mean, what would San Jose do if, if I don't know if it's the same? That's not Santa Clara. It's not county. Santa Clara County. Yeah. So they would probably have to get something from that specific county, unless right. it's, yeah. So, um, that's what makes it different. But um, I'm looking at the schedule here. So it looks like, yes, yeah, see, right now they they have the Knicks away for all their preseason games. So that must be on on purpose, and. What, what about what about the Brooklyn Nets? That's a good question. Um, yeah, more quotes from uh, Chris Johnston from Batman. We've been absolutely unequivocal with the players that we're not trying to renegotiate. So, I think what they're trying to stress here is they're, they have a home game at on the thirteenth. The Brooklyn Nets, okay, at, at Barclays Center, a preseason game. What Bettman's trying to do is he's he's basically trying to say to them, we're not trying to throw out the six-year CBA that we negotiated. We're trying. We're, we just need to adjust for this year because of the realities of how much money are being lost. I mean, this is this this is the okay, thing. Made, you know, when you read that quote, that's not the way it comes off. The quote basically comes off as, "We made an agreement. Live to live up to your agreement." And if we have to make a slight adjustment, maybe we will, but we're not doing it now. What's and the, what, that's what, what it Bet sounds like. Yeah, what Batman, what Batman is what Batman is saying here is he's saying, okay, right now you're deferring twenty eight percent, ten ten percent in deferment, and eighteen percent in or twenty percent in escrow, and and uh, and eighteen um, percent. Or eight percent, I think it is. It's, it's, the total is twenty percent, so it's, they're getting seventy-two percent of their of their current contract. He's saying to them, if we stick with that, we're, that that's the limit of what we're of what you can lose, and we're losing more, so we have to adjust. But he's not even saying that. Like that statement, at least the way I heard it, was basically like, "Hey, you signed that agreement. We expect you to live up to that agreement." Right, but I think what he's saying here is, I mean, oh. Russ, with with the fact that they the league came out and said, well, we got to adjust the figures. To get yeah, he's not saying that. Yeah, we're, we have no, to. But he didn't say that in that statement, Mike. No, but he said it before. No, but that's that's before. I'm telling you, that's you're you're falling back on the other one. I'm saying you think he's walking. You think he's walking it back? No, I just think the statement 
he just said today is maybe they've changed their mind and right at this moment, right? And again, it's right at this moment. It doesn't mean it can't change Friday, but right at this moment, they're like, live up to your agreement. That's basically what that agreement. But that's they're, 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 the situation, I think, is, I think is a little reversed there. What you're, what you're saying, because basically the players will live up to their agreement that they right. signed. The he's saying the you know if the players are fine with the agreement, the the owners want to change it. Right. And that's so that's the thing. For that's, him to say that you know, I mean, that doesn't help. But that doesn't help the owners at all. I, I, mean, I don't think he's get. I don't think the owners are going to back down from from the from wanting more deferred money than was agreed. Right. Right. And that, and that says they're not trying to renegotiate. Well, the, so, what what he's what he's saying is they want to keep they want to keep. Didn't say they're not trying to negotiate. He said they're not they want, renegotiating. They want to keep the 50 No, the quote from Chris Johnson. Wait a second, they you're going to have to wait because Chris Johnson's quote says we've been absolutely unequivocal with the players that we're not trying to renegotiate. Right. They want they want to keep the 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 CBA that guarantees a 50-50 split. And what Batman is saying here is okay. At least what the league has said previous to this is, well, we need more in terms of deferment and in terms of escrow to get a 50-50 split. So he's basically saying here, we're not trying to renegotiate the 50-50 split, but we need more to guarantee the 50-50 split. But he didn't say that, Mike. So now no, we don't right, really know that. Right, right. He didn't say that. He could give that in a quote. Right. But I, I don't think they want to negotiate in the media. That's why I think – He's yeah, the, I think that's definitely jury cast or milk toast here. They are very conscientious. I wrote this yesterday. They're very conscientious of um, of not making the players look greedy or not making them them look greedy right. in, in the media. Like they, they felt like how the baseball did it was was wrong, you know. And yes. they said, oh, <laughs> "This isn't much different, Act." It's it's not it's yeah, but it's not it's there. Not as public, Russ. It's not as public. Rob not as public yet. Like the the players well, were very. very it's heading down the this same. could get there. It could get there. I'm not saying it's not gonna get there, but they're trying really hard yeah. not to take it there. Rob Manfred was Satan in 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 July. Yeah, and Satan. then the players look terrible. You know, players look terrible at different times. I mean, you know, the virus the, the virus is like. It's a, someday there will be a psychological study on this whole thing because it's fascinating, you know, how people react to it, and how people react to it now. Because now there's a now there's a real, at least in my area, there's a real like, um, who cares? Let's just we'll get to a vaccine eventually. So maybe you know people are going to die off now because that's what that's how this virus is. And really, they're really, acting like that in your area. It really is, Russ. It's really frightening. I mean, that it's really scary. Thankfully, by me, it's not like that. Wow, it's really scary at times. Um, you know, like they just had a vote. You know. How messed up it is! We're talking about the kids going back into school or not, you know? And yeah. um, to the vote on the school board the other night, because there were so many, there were like, there were like so many parents there saying, "We want the kids back in school. The kids don't get the virus. The kids don't transfer." We had talked about all that before. Yeah. The vote was nine nothing to get the kids back in school, right? Um, today, now the kids aren't in school this week because they were out for two. They, they took them out for two weeks while things were mellowing out. Today, um, it turns out that four of the kids from the high school have the virus, and yet. Two, day, two days ago, they voted nine to nothing that the kids are going to go back to school full time next week. So now I don't know how that's going to change that or whatever. But you know, this is the, there's a, the reality of what how, how this thing's playing out is really crazy. You know, well, here here's more from more from Batman uh, via Chris Johnston uh, says that the NHL views sports betting as a way to grow its fan base. Talk about that. Remember, there's more more deals ah. more deals on the horizon. Than the ones it yeah. already has with FanDuel, MGM, and William Hill. Also says the focus. 
is finding a way through this season so that we get back to normal with the help of vaccinations by next fall. They're hopeful and optimistic based on everything we are hearing that we can get back to normalcy in 21-22, which means, okay, they're going to, you know, they're going to get as long of a season as they possibly can. 48 or 60 games, get the playoffs done, get the playoffs done before yep. the Olympics, have the, have the draft, have free agency, and probably start next season in a perfect world, start next season in in, in the first week of October like they normally do. Okay, but there's, there's a couple things. So um, first one is I hate to recite something from Alan Walsh, but he actually makes a point. I can't. He's blocked me. I know. So I'm going to do it. I was but, retroactively blocked, Mike. I have it on you. He blocked me before he before he followed anybody on Twitter. I have the one distinction of being able to say that. He, said, he basically said the NHL is soft floating the idea with the media. If no deal with the NHLPA is reached on the return to play, it could unilaterally evoke force major, which I guess, or however you pronounce that, and cancel the season now. But then he also said, but there are some teams that play in a dual stadium and how do you have one play and have the cancellation of another? Like, that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And we're in that you're in that spot now where it's yeah. completely see the it's, Russ. What we were mentioning before, um, it, further on in one of the statements um, with uh, that Chris Johnson made, uh, that Bettman said. Uh, the NHL is looking for ways to avoid stresses in the, on the system because players would be paid more than 50% under the current menu, uh, uh, memorandum of understanding. So he's basically saying they need to increase escrow and increase deferment to get to 50-50. So, so this is the same thing. You know, The proposal that they made last week about 26% retention, 25% escrow, or increasing escrow in years four, five, or six – they're on this. They're, they're still sticking with that. They, they, and this is why they're saying, well, okay, if we don't increase this, then it's not financially viable for us to play. I know, but I'm telling you, public support is going to swing towards the players because the owners signed a deal. We always think that, but it never does. I don't know. I think it, I think it might, but, but the idea is I also side with what the owners are saying. Like, Hey, we signed a deal, but nobody thought it would drag on this long. And it right. has. Yeah. And, and so, you would hope that everybody would go back and negotiate in good faith, which they are and they aren't doing. But again, there is no real motivator for them to do that right now because there's no, again, we're, we're at this point where even though they say the season is close, they're waiting until the last minute again. Like we're back to waiting until the absolute drop dead. We're going to start hearing there could be cancellations again, which we're starting to hear. We're yeah. going to hear all this stuff, and it's going to be down to the wire again. And yeah. we shouldn't be here, but we are. No, we are, and and, and the, that's that's what I'm saying by the by the what I'm sensing as like a complacency that's coming across the here at least. And you know, we are a different. It's different in Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, and different in New York, and yes. Every state has its own thing, you know. But um, I think Pennsylvania is the is probably the least careful of the three of our states. Yeah, um, I would have to agree with you. On yeah, that. New York's been over the top. Really, I think done a pretty yeah. good job with it. Um, and uh, I, I would, I would, I would. It's all debatable, of course. I would quibble with that, but let, let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had something else I wanted to do today, which I thought oh. would be kind of fun to do because oh, yeah. um, you know. And oh, actually, just um, so you know, just one thing. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So when you were off. It turns out like the NBA season preseasons are starting December 11th and 13th. Like they were able to figure it out. Wow. Okay. 
I mean, anything, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot, there's a lot positive. I'm just saying, and so there are games, even in New York, there's a December 13th game scheduled for Barclays. So so that, it's it's a good, it helps NHL that these things are being figured out ahead of time by these teams, you know, it really does. Because that's going to make it a lot easier for the NHL to, to jump in and do their thing. Well, I'm one. I'm wondering this, and this is the. And I would assume that each individual building is handling this situation uh, differently than it was handled before the pandemic. If you remember how things got started to spread with Rudy Gobert uh, with Utah, and I believe it was like Utah played in like L.A. at the yeah it was with the Clippers. It was a Clippers game, right? And some of the Utah players like worked out in the same uh, workout room, exercise yeah. room, than the Kings used, or or one of the, or, or I think it was Ottawa or somebody like that. It was one of the, it was an yeah. NHL team, and that's how it spread from one team to a. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to have if you're gonna have the Knicks and the Rangers. Now I know that the Knicks and the Rangers would have separate locker rooms like the Raptors and the Leafs do at at, at Scotiabank Arena, but they're not gonna be able to use the same like exercise facilities. Well, they don't actually. They they practice in a completely different place. So they don't. So like the Knicks and Rangers don't practice where they play. Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about practice because I know I think the Knicks practice in Westchester and right. I'm not sure with the Rangers. I'm talking about. They both do. They both have a facility, but it's big, and right. it's like they have a basketball court and a hockey rink. So it's I'm like, talking about like workout facilities in the buildings, or you know, I know the locker rooms. Are yeah, stuck. they probably won't. They'll probably just shut that down because they don't need to use it. They literally could just show up for the game. As long as they do that, then then there's yeah. no risk of sort of cross pollination type of yeah. stuff. No, I don't think there's a risk there. I think, but it's a good point. I mean, it's the same with the Sixers and Flyers. They they will just they have separate areas as far as locker rooms and otherwise that they can keep it separate. Now, the only place that's the same for them is the actual court or rink, but that's okay. Right. right. Very cool. All right. Um, okay, so we have some time on our hands here before the season starts. I'm trying to figure out some fun things to do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, tomorrow I've got our, our restricted free agent game, so we can play. That'll that. be fun. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to do, um, you know, stuff you should know. Stuff you should know, which is one of my favorite podcasts out there. Okay. Um, does things where they get into, uh, you know, the go, go a little deeper into things about about topics you might not really know about. So sure. I thought I wanted to do a thing called Pucks You Should Know, which is the concept is um, delving into the history and some of the oddities of of certain NHL teams. And today, starting with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, so I didn't want to give Mike ahead. I didn't give, want to give Mike this ahead of time because I was trying to like I wanted to okay. kind of on him and see about some of the fun things. And these are some of the interesting things. Um, you know, I'm not going to quiz Mike on this stuff, but uh, and and I want to get your opinion because doing research on some of this, there's definitely um, varying opinions on certain things from the beginning. Okay. Um, but um, okay, so this team began in what year, Mike? Uh, 1917 was the Toronto arenas. And then it was, uh, then it was the Toronto St. Patrick's, then the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I believe 27. Very good. So, so, so the Maple Leafs began, um, in actually the, they started their first year. They were just called Toronto. Right. Um, before that. And they didn't, they didn't play in Maple Leaf garden. They played in a, a place called the mutual street arena. Yep. Which, um, I'm guessing from all I could re- all my research was on mutual street. Um, gee, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they played there uh, just for the first couple of years uh, from seven, 1917 to 1931. Um, and in 1931, they moved to Maple Leaf Gardens, which um, was a really cool place. Yeah. I, um, it's still there, right? It is. It's, yeah. Now it's, now, the, it's the, 
Now it's the Madame Athletic Center. There's a Loblaws and right. a small. It's a smaller venue, but the okay. Uh, it, most of the inside is the same. It's just a lot less seats. I still haven't been there. I haven't even been in there. I yeah, drove so they get yeah. hockey in there. We were, we were there for the rookie showcase. Oh, that no, but oh, uh, oh yeah, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, you were there. But that's in Ryerson, though. I thought that's what yeah, that's be. that's that's Maple Leaf Gardens. Okay, but I. I, but you you didn't say Ryerson, so that confused me. No, yeah. I said, I said I that is the old Maple Leaf Garden, Jen. Um, okay, I didn't hear that. Sorry. I was in there. I was in there one time as a kid. Um, wanted to go to a game, but um, we were up there that day. My family we decided to go to the um, to well, see well, Toronto. I'll give you a little bit of trivia. I could go mm -hmm. get it because it's in, in the other room. Yeah. But uh, I took a tour of Maple Leaf Gardens after they'd moved out of Maple Leaf Gardens to the Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank Arena. And um, they they didn't have the ice. This is before they uh, they remodeled it. They the ice was out, and it was the concrete underneath. Um, and they were doing some repairs on it, and they were digging up some of the sort of the concrete foundation. And I took a little piece of the concrete, so I have a piece of the foundation uh, the, of the concrete from Maple Leaf Gardens. So basically, I own a piece of the floor that wow. you know Bill Barocco cool. won a Stanley Cup and Keanu. Cool. I, saw I, like, that. I like that. Yeah. It's like my little trivia of owning the oh. penalty box, penalty box, penalty box bench from the spectrum. Yeah. Um, See, those few times I was at Ryerson, I should have stole something, but I didn't. <laughs> now, um, it was Con Smythe who bought the team in 1927. Right. And um, he is the one, and his first order of business was to rename the team from the St. Patrick's. Um, and uh, I never knew how the Maple Leafs came about, how the Maple Leafs name came about, but Smith I, chose, chose the name. Um, Maple I, believe, Leafs. I, I believe it was a Maple Leaf because of he was a, he was a World War One veteran, and Maple Leaf was the name of the battalion or the division. The or regiment, the, actually. Regiment. He chose the name Maple Leaf to honor the Maple Leaf Regiment. He fought yep. in during World War One. Yep. And uh, and also may have been influenced by a former Toronto hockey outlet that had previously been known as the East Maple Leaves. Which I had never known about. I never heard about that either. But yeah, were, I didn't know that. Well, were, the funny thing is that Maple Leafs is grammatically incorrect because yeah. it's it's singular and it should be Maple Leaves. But you know, I've had that pointed out. Many I got points off for in, in when I was in when I'll just funny fact when I was in third grade, I think it was writing a writing an essay. I got points off for writing Leafs instead of leaves, <laughs> and um and blamed my love of hockey for that mistake yeah. that I made. Also, right. spelling coffee with a Y. Um, I also blame my. I also did that. Yeah. That's how much of a hockey guy I was back then. So, uh, you know, I yeah. actually have a cutout, um, a newspaper cutout of Con Smythe meeting with the Professional Hockey Writers Association, and now, and I forget what the headline was, but I think he was trying to set something straight because Con Smythe always had problems. He was, a, I think, he was a pretty much a loud mouth, and yeah. and. Oh, oh, he's got a really interesting history. That's not true. No. Of course, that's true. No, he's got an interesting history too. Um, yeah, he's he was pretty salty. Get into that. He's, he definitely has his has his has his history for sure. Yes. Um, well, Mike, we might come back and tell us more about that. Um, of course, they were a member of the original six, you know, which um, we yeah. all know um, endured um, through the th through the period of um, retrenchment during the Great Depression. Um, and the club won 13 Stanley Cups, second only to the 24 champions of the Montreal Canadiens during that period of time. And what's the piece of the rink? That's awesome. Yes, there you go. I love it. That's pretty cool. But with the original six, the it's not authenticated, Mike. <laughs> the, Leafs, the Leafs managed to win um, 13 Stanley Cups to the to the Canadians 24 during the 
during the during the original six great era. Correct. Um, and there are two. Yeah, the Rangers guys. mixed in, and the Rangers mixed in some. Let's be fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did. They did. But I'm, they were far behind. The Rangers. Um, the original six. You know, the it really was the Red Wings, Leafs, and Canadians um, as the top three. But we do have to point out the Canadians had that territorial thing where yes. until the Rangers snookered it yeah. and got Jobert and Rattel out of Canada, you couldn't get those players. Those players were unavailable to the yeah. American yeah, team. But, but Toronto had Toronto had the, the same lock on Ontario unless yeah. they passed yeah. up on players. That's how like Bobby Orr got to the Bruins. Right. Or or uh, you know, there were very few instances where they got to. which begins the which begins the Toronto can only make mistakes era of their thing because when you have when you have every player you possibly have there, yeah, um, all you can do is make mistakes by not taking these guys right. Read read, read the read the book sixty seven by uh, I think it's Damian Cox and Gord Stellick where they talk they talk about how an argument between Punch Imlac and Brad Park's mom I think it was prevented Brad Park from going to the Leafs and going to, instead to the Rangers. Stuff yeah. like that. Stuff stupid stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um now there were two extraordinary means like it oh yeah. Just to get a player not to go and play in Canada. Yeah, that was crazy. And and that went on for years. And um long it really time. it really it really caused um the Blackhawks to be terrible for a long time. Yes. Um and they were they were the you know I don't know what it's not say. like American players were any good. It didn't matter if you had access to American right. players. They were like the auto editors of the original six, I guess you would well, Mr. Zero was good, but there was, you know, very few. Yeah, the I mean the Blackhawks, Bruins, and to a lesser extent, the Rangers were sort of the dumping ground for the other three teams. Yeah. Detroit was owned by the same Detroit and Chicago were owned by the same family. Yeah. A number yeah, of them. Were. <clears throat> but anyway. Um, now they um now there were three um three there were sort of two dynasties in the original six era. Yep. Where the Leafs were just dominant, um, and that was from forty-seven to fifty-one and sixty-two to sixty-seven. Correct. They, um, the, you know, then, uh, you know, they have, you know, and they won their last Stanley Cup in um, sixty-seven, April of nineteen sixty-seven. Yes, which is exactly nine months, exactly nine months to the day that I was born before before I was born. So my my concept is that I always believed. That I am the I am the Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs curse. That my existence. Well, I know I, I can I can only say that like I know it's not me because they won they won the Stanley Cup uh, on May the second I believe it was nineteen sixty seven that was yep. the last game and I was a month and a a month and a day old so I have been alive for a Leaf Stanley Cup. There you go, perfect. And perfect. I I've taken a picture of Pete Stemkowski's ring and I texted it to Mike. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember I did do that. No, no, you did. You did. <laughs> now they haven't won since 1967, which uh, is the, the that's a 52 season drought between championships is is the longest drought in the NHL, um, as is well known. Um, Thank you. Yeah, longer than any. They haven't won a Stanley Cup for longer. I mean, there are teams that still have never won a Stanley Cup, but they are the longest of Stanley Cup winners. They are, um, they are the longest. The Sabers and Vancouver are the second longest. Right. After well, the blue, after the Blues won, because the Blues won, right? The Blues were in their own. Right. Um, now they they didn't retire numbers for a long time, as you remember, but then yeah. they did retire thirteen numbers all at once, right? Yes, yeah, so it was great. I was there. It was a great night honoring nineteen players. Um, and this is what's interesting. So that yeah, this was. But we we got to talk about this for a minute because this you, was a ridiculous thing that they did for all those years. That they were like, well, we're just not going to do it. We're the Toronto Maple Leafs, we, right? You could. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a it was a disgrace 
that, you know, Dave Semenko, Miroslav Inachak, to a lesser extent, a guy like Shane Corson, wore yeah. 27 after Frank Mahovlich and Derek. Right. Now, if you name the numbers, I probably could name all the guys. No, but it is yeah, – yeah. fans hate to see that. Echo is – Echo will do it for fun at least once or twice a hockey season, especially with the Flyers, if somebody's wearing a number that he knows that a guy is closely revered to being retired. Yeah. He'll say something, but this is like a whole franchise of them. It's a whole franchise that did this. Yes. Um, now, one thing, the interesting thing about the, – the Maple Leafs were almost not admitted into the NHL. I don't know if you know this, how this worked, um, but I found this an interesting thing. Uh, so the NHL decided that they would operate a four-team circuit made up of the Montreal Canadiens, the Montreal Maroons, the Ottawa Sen Senators, I guess they were the Ottawa Senators, right? And, mm -hmm. and they decided they would pick one more club, and it came down to Quebec or Toronto to have that last club that would be entered into the, into the NHL. Um, and it wasn't until November 26, 1917, um, that the Quebec team – was happening. They were called the Quebec Bulldogs, and they actually had to pull out because of financial issues. So they got in. Um, they 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 got they gave they gave them temporary rights because they weren't they still weren't sure that Toronto would be able to support a team at that point. And then they would all shortly after that experience a pandemic like we are now. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, and if, and and the initial nickname, even though they were called the Torontos, like I said, it was kind of interesting, and Jan would have, and Jan and, and Rush will appreciate this, is they were informally called the Blue Shirts for a while. Oh, really? The yeah. Toronto Blue Shirts. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, you know, which, of course, now we kind of refer to as the Rangers nickname. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the, they, there was a National Hockey Association back then, mm -hmm. which was actually bigger than the NHL. This is in 1917. I mean, so nothing is really big, but the NHA had been around for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the interesting things I've, is that they actually, the least, least, least players from the NHL Toronto Blue Shirts, which was an official Toronto, the, the Blue Shirts were the official team of the NHA. So that's how they sort of the nickname kind of went over to the Maple Leafs as, as well. Um, and so some of the players that, uh, <laughs> that, the blue, that, that the initial Leafs were playing on loan from the Blue Shirts to get that, to get enough players to play that first year because they weren't, they were kind of not expecting to get in the league, they thought Quebec was going to get the team at the time. Um, yeah, but it was, and then next season they. Uh, how the how would Mike's back. life have changed if that would have happened? He would have been a Sabres fan. And the feeling was that. Oh, hold the, on, we got to. Oh yeah, no, I would have been a Sabres fan. Let's let's yeah, that's something to worry. Mike, you would have been a Sabres fan, and I'd be dead by now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'd be a Sabres fan. I think that you know, I mean, well, what would his options have been? I mean, he he'd definitely. Russ, I'd be a Quebec Bulldogs fan. Okay, but the reason you're a Leafs fan is because you got to see a lot of them in Buffalo, right? Yes. You wouldn't have gotten to see a lot of the the Nordiques in Buffalo. No. So the first controversial thing the Maple Leafs did was not return those players, be a Leafs, to the NHA and basically force them to stay on the team. And the players liked playing for the Leafs better than the Blue Shirts, so they stayed. So what you're saying is they're a bunch of thieves. Yeah. Um, yeah they're, they're like the Australia of the NHL. Or they paid more. <laughs> they might have paid a little more. They, might, they probably were getting more paid, but it was like a, it was very controversial. And um, that that move in and of itself of the Leafs holding on to those players who were like some of the best players in the NHA 
um, essentially killed the NHA as, as we know it. Like that, oh. that was the end of the NHA. They, so um, the NHA was the federal league of the, uh, yeah. of the federal league. Right? They, yep. Sued, yep. they yep. sued the NHL. They sued the Maple Leafs and, and for three, for three seasons, um, you know, couldn't operate and, and eventually just folded because of all kinds of like legal bills and everything that piled up. So the NHA was done. Um, did, t- did Donald Trump own a team in the NHA? Cause he owned a team in the USFL. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, the early, early, I guess it would have been not Donald Trump's great grandfather. Fred, Fred Trump, yes. Fred. Um, so then, Fred was his father, not his grandfather. This, of course, I'm saying, I'm calling the lease, but they were the arenas at the time. Um, and the arenas, though, um, they're in 1919 had a uh, really interesting set of really interesting record. Um, basically, the last year of the actual NHL arenas before they were the St. Pat's. They had a two seventy eight win percentage, <laughs> so they could be worse. They weren't. The, they could be much worse. Was could be the John, New York Jets. The New York was, Jets don't have a winning percentage. Was John <laughs> was John Brophy the coach? And that was the year that, of course, we ended up with a worldwide flu epidemic. That was the nineteen eighteen nineteen season, and we ended up with no um, no one at all. So um, so yeah. So Con Smythe, you know how much he bought the team for? He bought the team for two hundred thousand Canadian dollars. He, I believe he won. I believe he won a horse race. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. He's he's pretty much the shyster, Consmart. It says he put together with my research. He put together a group that of his own and 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 uh, got actually oh actually bargained it down to one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Sorry, which there is the equivalent of two million dollars today. Um, and they and they. <laughs> so and and you know Bickle Bickle, who was the owner of the team before, was really upset about the whole thing. Wanted two hundred thousand, didn't want one hundred sixty thousand. Um, tried to move the team to where, Mike? Do you remember this? Buffalo, Philadelphia. Oh, tried to move the team to Philadelphia. They threatened to move the team to Philadelphia, in fact, which uh, which ended up you know being part of the big part of the negotiations. Um, and uh, one of the St. Pat shareholders finally, along with along with um, Con Smythe. It, um, convinced Bickle basically to buy the team, saying that you know it would be terrible to lose to lose the whole uh, to lose the team to Philadelphia. Well, and, at that uh, time they had a winning uh, history, so I get it. Yep, and that's that. that <laughs> now if you moved them, eh. so uh, no, they were actually coming up. They were pretty. So on February fourteenth, nineteen twenty-seven, is when Consmite took the team, um, renamed the Maple Leafs, and used the national symbol of Canada on on their on their jersey because like you said before it was his regiment so it was part of all you know it was very nationalistic but it's still dumb that it's blue because it's red otherwise right but but russ they they can't use red because that's the national team but they i i get it but he was a prisoner of war um con smythe in world war one he he was a serious yeah he seriously that was not going to talk about his childhood are we yeah i'm just saying a prisoner as a prisoner of war you know was was the was the commandant named Clink? <laughs> right. So the initial reports that were the team colors, Russ, interesting enough, were supposed to be red and white. Right. See, that makes sense. Right. But the Leafs were white sweaters with a green maple leaf for their first game in 1927. As and um in September 27th announced the Leafs that changed their color scheme to blue and white, which they of course have remained the blue and white. Forever, he said, represents the Canadian skies, and the white represents the Canadian snow. So basically, you know, all you see in Winnipeg on on in, in <laughs> January, if you look out your window, blue and white, that's it, mm. right? Um, Maple Leaf Gardens, um, you know, 
from the 1930s that lasted till when, Mike? When would Maple Leaf Gardens close down? They, they moved in 99. 99, right. But before that, the team was bought by somebody else, one of Mike's favorite people. Uh, well, it was. They went through a couple different owners, but. Well, no, 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 no. Remember, um, it was. It was. They were. They were co-owned after Con Smythe uh, handed off the, uh, the, the, uh, the day-to-day -day, um, ownership of the team to Son Stafford, who died in 1970. Um, right. That was from 61 and 61 he handed it over to his son and some other people. Right. Now, supposedly, and this is, we don't know for sure, but um, the rumor is the urban myth is that Harold Ballard got Stafford Smythe drunk and in, while he was inebriated, got him to basically sign over the rights to the team if he passed away. So then he dies in 1970 and Harold Ballard buys out the ownership uh of the of the and Harold Ballard is a jailbird. He was in jail. I don't remember what it was at. I think it may have been tax evasion or something like that. I mean, but well, uh, he was the owner from 1970 until he died in 1990. And believe me, there were people dancing in the streets when that son of a bitch. Very died. generous owner who always signed players to the highest of salaries. Oh yes, yes, yes. Please believe me. And well, Ballard, um, Ballard would never would never would never have a Russian player on his team because. I will never, I will never support any commie. Yeah, no, he, uh, he had his, own, he definitely had his own opinions on things. Um, so this is how he got the team: a series of events. This is, um, this is from a website I found. Uh, a series of events in 1971 made Ballard the primary owner of the Maple Leafs. Right. Um, after a series of disputes between Bassett Ballard and Stafford Smythe. Yeah, John, um, John Bassett, who was the, I think the owner right. of Tampa Bay in uh, the. The WFL, I believe, Russ. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. John, John Bassett, Carling Bassett's dad. Yeah. The Bassett sold his stakes to uh, Smythe and uh, and Ballard, and uh, shortly afterwards, Smythe died in '71, like you said. And under the under the terms of Stafford's will, all which Ballard wasn't the executor of, each partner was allowed to buy the other's shares upon their death. Exactly. So Stafford's brother and son tried to keep their shares in the family, but in '72, Ballard bought all of Stafford's shares for 7.5 million. Uh, valuing the Maple Leafs at $22 million. Um, six months later, Ballard was convicted of charges, including fraud and theft of money and goods, and spent a year in Mill Haven. There you go. Which is a penny. <laughs> so as his, his first year as the owner of the Maple Leafs, he was in jail. Yep. Um, and then... And their fans have been in jail ever since. No. And then at the end of 71, we came the, another interesting moment in Leafs history, the WHA, which is... Um, is something that Ballard was very against and didn't think it was going to for real and didn't didn't take it seriously. So let a lot of his players walk. Um, well, so okay, of, here, here okay, I'll give, I'll give you this one, and this is okay. where the interlocking of the Flyers and the and yeah. the and the uh, Leafs. Um, and I believe it was in '71. Yeah. The Flyers traded Bernie Perrant to Toronto for Doug Favell. Right. Perrant played one season for the Leafs. And then went to the WHA. Right. Um, when whatever team I can't remember which team it was in the WHA either folded or they reneged on the on his contract. Perron wanted, like wanted to come back to the right. NHL, but he refused to come back to the Leafs because Ballard wouldn't pay him. So then right. he was traded back to Philadelphia for Doug Favell. Doug right. Favell, right? Which was the original trade. And I have a Doug Favell Colorado Rockies jersey. <laughs> it's the only Doug Favell thing I have. Um, but yeah, they, uh, it, you know, it, it was crazy. So 
The Leafs finished with the fourth fourth worst record in 72-73. Uh, they got the fourth overall pick in that draft and drafted Lanny McDonald. Yep. Um, Good you pick. Know, General and the general manager Jim Gregory also acquired the tenth round pick from the Flyers, the fifteenth round pick from the Bruins, using them to acquire Bob Neely and Ian Turnbull. Yep. And and they also acquired during the offseason Boreas Salming. Yep. And that and, and Inga Hammerstrom. And it, yeah, okay, yeah, there we go. And so why did let Lanny McDonald go? Why in the world? Well, that was Punch Imlock. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a few years down the road, but so. Uh, Punch Punch Imlock came in after after Gregory um, Gregory uh, put together that mid to late seventies Leaf team that went to the conference final against Montreal that beat the Islanders in seventy eight. They were a really good team, but they you know Paul Matier in goal, Tiger Williams, Salming, Turnbull. You know it was it was a very solid team, um, and they made a trade for Dave Burrows. I think it was in seventy eight, and it didn't work out. That was the trade that sent Randy Carlisle to Pittsburgh, who won mm -hmm. the Norris Trophy in eighty one, and uh, Ballard got rid of Roger Nielsen, got rid of Gregory. Uh, Imlock comes in. the uh, the The core of that Leaf team was oh, there's a good story in there, Mike. So this is the story I got from there. Okay, so Imlock, you know, in his in his first year as second stint of general manager, you're talking like seventy nine, eighty, right in there. Correct. Um, became embroiled in a dispute with Leafs captain Daryl Sittler. Yep, that's over his, over his attempt to take part in a showdown series for Hockey Night in Canada. Which remember we talked about the showdown series. We love the showdown. This was like the whole thing. And I don't know why he wanted Sittler not to not to be in the showdown series because the showdown series was in part sponsored by the NHL Players Association. Oh, interesting. And okay. it was it was a P it was a PA thing. It was there was an Eagleson aspect to it that they didn't want. Right. They, they 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 saw the PA sort of you know worming their way into the Leafs locker room and you know they didn't want it. So they um so so it, to piss Sittler off, he um he traded his best friend on the team, Lanny McDonald. Well, he it, it, okay. He first he traded his line mate Pat Boutet to Hartford for nothing for Bob mm -hmm. Stevenson. And by the way, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I do a, a Leaf podcast uh, with a guy named Norman James uh, in London, Ontario, and he's all his his uh, day job is he works at a at a Ford dealership, and he sold a car to Pat Boutet, and I talked to him. <laughs> um, but oh. uh, so, but he traded Pat Boutet for Bob Stevenson, and then um, right after Christmas, he traded Lanny McDonald and, uh, Joel, I think it was Joel Quenville and a, one other player, uh, for Pat Hickey, uh, Wolf Paymont. It was, it was, it was, it was not a good deal because you're the worst. Yeah. 79 December. Oh, this, this started things on the downtrend for Sittler as well. Yeah. Um, are you sure it was 79? Cause Hickey was on the 79 yeah, Rangers. It was, it was, this is the 78, Yeah. It was 80. So by the end of the 79-80 season, it like a trade away nearly half the roster. Oh, the trade, like you said. It was it was December, it was November or December of 79, but it was the 79 right. 80 season. It was after that. Yeah, okay. Well, you know what's interesting about that, X? So so Hickey played for the Toros. Yeah. And I guess for him that felt like he was coming home. Um, but once he left the Rangers, he wasn't the same player. He he had some really good years for the Rangers, but man, that, that's a bad trade. Well, Hick, Hickey was Hickey was traded yeah. as part of the part of the Barry Beck deal along with Dubois and and McEwen, and yeah. then within within two months, because Don Cherry was the coach of the Rockies at that point, they they traded yeah. Hickey and Paymont. Yeah, Don and, Cherry and McEwen um, hated each other. Yeah, yeah, 
but uh, but that but yeah, it was it was a terrible deal. It was a deal done out of spite. Um, you know, yeah. all, all you need to know about Punch Imlock and his day his days with the, with the Leafs is that he brought back a 40-something-year-old Carl Brewer who played for the 60s Leaf teams. It was a really good defenseman in the 60s. He brought him back in his 40s. To play yeah. to play for the Leafs, and he was an embarrassment to right. himself and to the team that they put this guy on the. I remember him getting knocked on his ass, his helmet knocked off, and his bald head. You know, it was just it was just so embarrassing. I mean, his basically, when you look when you was looking at him, latch's like legacy. It, it kind of is, you know, always thinking that he's above everything else, and he'll just do whatever. He'll he'll screw anybody or do anything he wants to like make well, things. The, the only he had, and Sittler, he had ended up having to trade Sittler because of the whole thing in '82. Yeah. The only, the only, tr well, I, I'm not sure if it was Sittler that that he traded. He was the one because I think uh, Imlock was gone because I think he had a. Oh, Imlock was gone, but the relationship with Sittler and the right. Leafs had gotten really bad. Yes, and it was Jerry McNamara who traded yeah. Sittler. The only, the only, the only, tra the only trade that Imlock made that was beneficial to the Leafs was the trade he made with Vancouver, where he traded Tiger Williams and Jerry Butler to Vancouver for Billy Durlego and Rick Vive, and Vive scored 50 goals three times, but. Yeah, they trade. They traded. They traded uh, a Sittler, and I think it was '82, for uh, Rich Costello and a second round pick. And the second round pick turned out to be Peter Inachak, who was a good you know, player. See, now Rick Vive destroyed my finger. I had a finger injury from. <laughs> no, listen, it's funny. I had a finger injury from softball, and I was covering the um, the NHL draft in Toronto. Yeah. We get there, and we have a few guests on, and we have Wolf Paymont. And Rick Vive and Paymon comes on and he's great. I've got a splint on my right hand. I'm shaking hands with Paymon. He gets ah. the splint on my right hand. We're fine. I do an interview with Vive, which was great. He's a terrific guy. He still was in great shape. Yeah. Like this guy, you could tell why he was a great player. We get done with the interview. I go to give him my left hand and he takes my right hand and he like gives me the crunch because he probably saw that I was doing something righty and Oh, that set me back like two weeks. This guy was like a vice grip. <laughs> yeah, after, after we finish this, I have the full uh, Batman quote here. So. Okay, so we're almost done. I just want to get in. We're going to go through the 80s. We're going to ignore because they were really not a fun time for the Leafs. Well, um, the, only, the only high point to the 80s was the 1985 draft first overall pick of Wendell Clark. Okay, there you go. Um, but 1990 to 2004 were pretty good years for the Leafs. They had, they had some pretty good teams in there. They played really well. They had they ran into some issues with high stickings and things like that. was a banner moment because Harold Ballard died. Okay. Uh, then then Steve Stavro took over as the owner of oh, the yeah. owner of the team. Um they bring in Cliff Fletcher in 92. And then they bring uh, ninety. It was ninety the ninety one ninety two season. Then they bring in Pat Burns in ninety two ninety three. And of course, the father of Chuck Fletcher, who is the yes. Now. And they also made the the biggest robbery probably of the nineties was which was which was the Doug Gilmore trade from Calgary. Yeah, uh, it was a ten. I think it was a ten player deal, and uh, it was basically because Gilmore would not be able to get a new contract from the Flames. So uh, uh, Fletcher filched Doug Risebrow in that deal and basically made the Leafs a contending team for, for a couple years. No, my dog was chewing on the power cord from my from my computer to the wall right there. I'll um, make his ear stand up. Fun. Yeah, so the uh, of course the um, the other thing they picked up was that was seller goaltending from Aladdis Morissette, boyfriend, and and star goalie um, Felix Potvin. Who um, was he? Boyfriend, Al Alanis Morissette. Absolutely. 
I never heard that. That is what the song is written about, Mike. The famous. No, 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 no. That, that, I, I, I know there's other rumors out there, but I, I have It's written about Dave Coulier. It's not about Felix Podband. I have heard otherwise, and from very, from very viable sources. So I will not say who. Um, but, you know my connections in the I, you know, I know. Rock, and roll, rock and roll, but I've heard that that is a lie. So I'm putting that out there right now. Okay. Um, all right. Um, they, uh, but all through the '90s, they couldn't get much further than the conference finals. And oh, uh, thanks to Matt Sundin. Thanks. <laughs> um, yep. And then uh, the dog is now just trying to bite my feet. Um, and so finally, on February twelfth, nineteen ninety-eight. MLGL, which was their organization at the time, purchased the uh, Raptors, an NBA team, and and the building, and a built, and then they, that 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 set in motion the move to uh, the Air Canada Center. Now, the, the funny thing is, is that the the Air Canada Center was originally designed as basketball only, and they changed it in mid building to make it more a hockey, more multi purpose. Um, yeah. Russ, there was a, a piece I mentioned to you uh, about about uh, uh, that James Myrtle wrote for the Athletic regarding you know the Sky Dome and Rogers Center being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing he talked about is that you know eventually if they move out of Sky Dome and it's demolished, that that might be an entree for the Leafs to build a new building where the sky dome is in maybe 10 years i don't know when their lease is up but you know the build the this the, the uh the um, scotia bank arena is now 21 years old and at 30 you know most buildings they need to be updated or whatever so that was one thing the other thing was the ridiculous notion that they're going to put build a put a second team in toronto they are never ever no, ever, not doing ever it. putting in a second team i'll in tell toronto. you i went to oh, one yeah. game I went to one game in the early 2000s in um, at Scotiabank, whatever they were calling it then. Air Canada. Um, Air Canada, right? And I thought the crowd was great, but it was so sterile. It was just I was sort of let down by everything but the people. The people made that place. They probably still make that place, but yeah, it just from compared to other hockey rinks, I was just like. Ooh, this is kind of like cold and sterile. Very antiseptic. Yeah, I, it is. I, I think that that's yeah. that's the problem with, the, with Buffalo with Key Bank Center. Uh, when you were at the odd, the the, the low yeah. roof kept all the sound in, and it was it was like a you know it was like a thunderdome. And yeah. now Key Bank Center is just this big echo chamber that doesn't really. Yeah, do well. I feel the same way about that place. So since two thousand and eight. Um, Two teams in the NHL have um, managed to sell out their arena more and not win as often, win uh, <laughs> less. One of them being the Maple Leafs and the other being the Minnesota Wild um, are the two teams that have had great sell, have had really just incredible fan support despite not really winning much in the playoffs. Um, and as they, the, the, you know, the focal fan base has been, you know, an obvious thing for the Maple Leafs. And as we all know here, you know, they're still they're still going strong. And we, of course, you know, that, that brings, you know, that brings us to the final, you know, the tank nation of Leafs through the Brian Burke era. And then, you know, finally, finally ending with the Brendan Shanahan era, which is, which is where well, we are now. Tank nation was not Brian Burke. It was strictly Dave Nonis and Brendan Shanahan because Brian yeah. Burke would never tank. And that's, that's true. That's true. Yes, that's true. So, okay. And then, that takes us to where we are now. So that was our little bit of, you know, I, I know that, you know, we talk about these teams. There's some time. things I didn't know for sure. 
I'm going to do some other teams as we go along here and we'll definitely get into, you know, we're going to be doing more teams that we probably know less about, but I think this team was such an interesting history. And obviously since Mike knows so much about them, I thought they were a good place to start. But okay. um, yeah, we'll be doing more of those as we go. And Mike, now you have some news on the actual quote from yeah. Gary Batman from today. Okay. Um, according to Chris Johnston, here, here, here's Gary Bettman's statement in full on why he doesn't view the NHL's recent pitch to the NHLPA as a renegotiation of the previously agreed to uh, memorandum of understanding. Right. Not very long. But I'll just read it quickly here. Yeah. Uh, under our deal and the one we've had for more than a decade with the Players Association, whatever the revenues are, the players only get 50%. And if we overpay them and they don't pay us back in the short term, they have to pay us back over time. There will be stresses on the system, and we've had discussions about what those stresses are and how they might be dealt with. But we're not trying to say, you must do X, Y, and Z. We're trying to look for ways to continue to work together. I know it's being portrayed as something else, and it's unfortunate and it's inaccurate because at the end of the day, if the system gets stressed, it's going to be stressed for both of us. If we both have to pay out lots of cash, two-thirds of which is, coming, is going to come back to us, they may, that may cause some stresses, but we can or we'll have to deal with it if we're going, for, going to move forward. And by the same token, if the players owe us more money than anybody imagined, the salary cap could well be flat or close to flat for the next five or six years, and the players into the future will be repaying what we're owed. So the question isn't like, whoa, we demand a renegotiation. To the contrary, it's we see the way the system's going to be impacted. It is, is it something that makes sense to deal with it in context of everything else that me, we may have to do, which is out of the ordinary and un, unanticipated in order to put to be put into a position to possibly play? All right, here's my retort. If I'm wow, that's a big quote. It is a big quote. <laughs> that's a lot there. That's a big lawyery quote. And, and yeah, my response, if I'm a player, is, okay, but you're acting – as if you're very certain here, like you were certain when you signed the MOU. And yeah. so if I'm the players, I'm like, fine, we'll just, we'll just talk about this every year because for them to say, well, the cap will just stay flat for five or six years. They don't know that. Right. That's, they didn't well, even know that this was going to be a bad situation now. Well, what he's saying, what he, Russ, what he's saying is I will guarantee you that the flat, the cap will play flat in that because let's well, just say, Hold on. Let's just say for argument's sake, yes, it's bad this year, right? But they set records the next two years. He can't just keep the cap flat if they're making money hand over fist again. Sure right? he can because because no. well, well, let me let me finish. Because there's a three hundred million dollar deficit between 50-50 for the players and the owners. So they're saying, okay, before we can raise the salary cap based on revenue, you have to make up that $300 million. So we're going to keep the cap flat so we get our $300 million back. That's what he's saying. Yeah, but they won't keep the cap flat. Well, that then they have to then they have to increase escrow and defer salary. But they have to start, they have to start, they have to say this now because they have to, you know, they have to paint the bleakest picture they can. Right. Um, because they have a good job. Pay yeah. us now or pay us later, but you're going to pay us. That's what they're saying. Yeah, it's in order to in order to get the players to agree to this, they can't be like, well, you know, there could be a big revival and everything's going to be right. fine. They can't they can't say that because you know they, they for one they can't guarantee it's going to happen, and no one knows how people are going to react to this when when once everything is said and done, are people going to be comfortable going to big, large gatherings or not? You know, like that's. And, you know. 
and the fun, the funny thing is, is that, you know, when, when the, and I, again, I don't believe there's a chance that they won't, that they'll cancel the season, but when that, that talk came out yesterday and, and somebody from the PA said, well, they can't cancel the season. It's not part, you know, that, that, that's not agreed to as part of the M MOU. Well, they can cancel the season. They, they can they cancel the season because Alan Walsh just laid out how they can do it. Yeah. So they yeah, can't. It's possible. It's possible. And, and, you know, the owners have to, I mean, they they would be in a breach of contract though. There, there are there are interesting issues of that. No, uh, it's it's in the MOU that they can cancel the season. It's not a right. breach of contract okay. because if it's not financially viable for them to play a season, the league they won't do it. They'll just say play the season. Sorry, guys, no no season this year. Yeah, if we yeah. can't make money, if we can't make money, if it's not for the not uh, for the, uh, positive for the financial viability of the league, they reserve the right to cancel the season. Maybe we can call Ryan Smith and he'll start up that players' league again that lasted two games. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're gonna be seeing, right? We'll be <laughs> he gave a great interview, but they lasted literally like two games. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, everyone at the end of the day, I agree with David Mascot here. I think we can all freak out, but I think they're gonna figure this out. Yes. And it is, you know, it is something we have to talk about it because it's our job. But I think right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sit there and stress about it if I was a fan, um, because they they will figure this out. No, right. one they, even to Gary Batman's quote there, put it this way if they were if they weren't in a good spot right now, Batman says very little like what i've known about batman yeah i think that's fair when he says a lot he's confident that things are that things are fine when he when he's not talking he's not you know he's, he's not so sure so i think that at the end of the day the nhl is pretty confident that they're going to figure this thing out um uh, the nhl knows how they can get out of it similar to what you know we were talking about with tampa you know it's always yeah. with, they with kevin you know the nhl knows how they can fit how they can resolve this they're just trying to resolve it the best way they can uh one Rumor to, to end the show here, um, Andy Strickland uh, reported yesterday that Carolina and Columbus, and I know that we've mentioned Columbus in connection with Michael Granlund, said yeah. that Nashville, Nashville is also interested in him um, and Mike Hoffman, but it's a better chance uh, – but it's a better chance that Nashville would land Hoffman than they would Granlin. But he says Granlin, uh, it's Carolina and Columbus as the two teams that are interested. I would say I would I believe both of those more than I believe Nashville right now at this point. Yes. Nashville's got other other things going. Yeah. Um, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the, the show. Please let us know in the comments what you think. Um, you know, we're going to do this once in a while. Just I think it's always fascinating to find out stuff, you know, like about oh, – yeah. uh, about these teams and the history of these teams um, that we talk about so often. And right now, you know, we're going through our, as I jokingly say around here, like our second off season after like, just we got two months of hockey and now we've had 10 months of off season surrounding it. So um, it's, you know, we're, we we're trying our best to keep things interesting for you, for you all back there. And uh, if you can, if you, if you like what you see with the show and you want to support it, please go to patreon.com slash hockey, patreon.com slash hockey. And um, you can you can give us a little bit um, a month. Just five bucks would be fantastic. That would if all of you all would be five dollars, we would be in a lot better shape. We appreciate it very much. If you could, if you can't, you can't. We know times are tough. If you can't, please just tell people about the show and, and subscribe. And you know, hit the like it or write a comment in, in, on iTunes or something to help us move up in the charts. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.